Ancient Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. It's time for the church to acknowledge that we have brothers and sisters who are gay. LGBTs have to find a household of worship that reflects what your views are and what you believe. A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. What's not loving is to look someone in the eye when God says they are in jeopardy of an eternity in hell and merely wink and nod at their sin because you're afraid of being called names. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome in, welcome in to another episode of Wretched Radio. It's Witness Wednesday, as you can imagine, because I'm starting the break. I am Jimmy Hicks in the studio, keeping things in check, spinning all those, well, we're not spinning any records anymore. Todd's out on the campus of Kennesaw State University looking for students to chat with, engage with, share the gospel with. So let's get out there now and see Who's up first? Caleb is going to pass this exam with flying colors. Aren't you, Caleb? Always. All right. Here's the question. You ready? It's a real tricky one. What is Easter? Hold on. I know what Easter is. <laughs> the day Jesus, what's the celebration of the day Jesus died for our sins? Right. Yeah. See, I kind of figured you'd get that because of what's hanging around your neck right now. Right, right, right. right. And why is that hanging around your neck? Remind me, he always with me. I always see crosses. Now, this one actually has a figure of Jesus on it. What is the significance to that event and Easter? Uh, well, when Jesus was on the cross, you know, he was up there with two other guys. He went through the process of him explaining how he sacrificed his life. God sent him down to sacrifice his life for all of our sins. So him dying on that cross. Give us a new slate. So are you suggesting that I am a sinner? You were born a sinner. You were born a sinner. I don't know you much, so I can't really say you're a sinner, but um, I'm sure you probably sin somewhere down the road. Yeah, yeah I, I, I suspect that's true. Okay, so what happens to sinners who don't have their slate wiped clean by Jesus? Oh, it says, the Bible says, all sinners take their part in the lake of fire, something along those lines. So you're probably going to go to hell. <laughs> so if I'm not a Christian, I'm going to hell. Yeah. That is judgmental and intolerant. Pretty much. I guess it depends on whatever you believe in. What do you mean? It, what? What? Other people believe in different things. You know, you got Judaism, Muslims. I don't neglect any of their religions, but as for my religion, if you're not Christian, you pretty much going to hell. All right, I want to make sure I get this. So are you saying that these other religions, while you don't hassle them, you're saying those religions are wrong? No, I'm not saying they're wrong. I don't know their religion. I don't study their religion, but I do study my religion. So, All right. Do you think any religion besides Christianity is right? I think other people have their beliefs. I don't think it's the right or wrong. These people are born into their religions. Now, that does happen a lot. I, I agree with you. Are you familiar with the term postmodernism? Not elaborate. That's because you're a software engineer guy. So this is a philosophical term. It's often used to describe the current generation's way of processing reality. There was pre-modern, modern, and now we're in what we call a postmodern era. So in the pre-modern era, let's just say this is the time from Jesus Christ, which is why the calendar flipped 
at that event. It was called the pre-modern era, and people basically said, God exists, the Bible says it, that settles it. No debate, that is what is right. But then we entered into, give or take, about the 1400s, the age of reason, the modern era, where we determined that science has the answers, God, we're skeptical, or we just outright deny him because man has the answer. But then about the middle of the 20th century, we started to drift into what we call postmodernism, really because of World Wars One and Two, We learned the lesson that we really don't seem to have the answers because we're killing each other a lot. And so we slid into something called postmodernism. Now, premodernism would say that there is truth that is revealed. Modernism would say that there is truth that can be discovered. Postmodernism says... Actually, there is no truth, and everybody gets to define truth for themselves. That's called postmodernism. Would you consider yourself to be postmodern? Because you do sound like it a touch, Caleb. That postmodernism is there is no truth. Well, for instance, I could say, okay, your shirt, what color is it? Green. I believe it's purple. Would you tell me I'm wrong? I would tell you I'm wrong. You're wrong. Cool. I am a, an individual who believes that whoever that dude is over there walking, like he's wearing his pajamas. Right. What Can you explain that trend? What is up with that? They're supposed to be worn in the bedroom, not on campus. Okay. I believe that's pajama God. And if I wear pajamas with footies out in public, that I'm going to go to spend eternity with pajama guy. That's my religious belief. Would you be willing to tell me I'm wrong? Really, I'm not here for... There's a, you're postmodern. Okay. okay, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> okay, you're postmodern. All right, so here's a thought experiment. Would you say pajama guy, even though I believe it, actually is pajama god? I wouldn't. I don't believe in him, so yeah, I wouldn't. Well, whether I believe in him or not, we need to identify whether that's true or not. So just like your shirt, clearly isn't purple. My belief can't make it purple. I would just be flat out wrong because my thinking is in alignment with reality. Fair enough? That's fair. This is a microphone. It's not a Volkswagen. (laughs) That's fair. So my belief doesn't actually make something true. I either believe in something that is true or false. So if your religion is true, wouldn't that make every other religion false? It depends on your experiences. I mean, I've I've had experiences with God, and other people may have had their experiences with their religion. So for me to say who's right or wrong, it would be wrong of me. I would it be wrong for you to think somebody's wrong? Because I haven't experienced what they've experienced. Well, then let's go back to this event hanging on your neck right now. Is anything in the Bible? Is that the question you got to ask? Well, no, but go ahead. What, would, what did you think I was going to ask? Uh, have I experienced like anything in the Bible? Like, did I witness it happen? Um, well, I don't think so because you don't look that old. Yeah. <laughs> but you read it in a book. Doesn't Christianity, if I'm not mistaken, say that Jesus Christ actually said that he's the only way to get to God? Yeah. So wouldn't that statement either be true or false, regardless of what I feel about it? Uh, yeah. It's- I think it's true, but that's also my belief. I I get that. It's your belief, right? But your belief is either 
based on something true or false. Because the intensity of my belief really doesn't matter. I can believe in Pajama Guy, and that's just dopey. I can believe that garbage can is a deity, and that's just ridiculous. We know that because it doesn't matter what I believe. My faith is either based in something that is objectively true or false, right? Right. And I would suggest to you, Caleb, it really isn't offensive to say to somebody, I believe in this because I know it to be true. And I think your religion is false, but I don't hate you. I, I, I actually tolerate you because in order for there to be tolerance, there's got to be disagreement. Otherwise, we don't have to tolerate each other at all. So true tolerance is saying, dude, I disagree with you, but that doesn't mean that I hate you. So tell me, Caleb, are you still a postmodern? <laughs> <laughs> then persuade you, did I? Uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Right. I get where you're coming from. Uh, like you said, it doesn't mean I hate you, but we just have our different sets of beliefs. So. Different. Like, you like green shirts? I like blue shirts. Okay. That doesn't mean that we should be enemies with one another. All right, so let me just let me just see if I can pump the pedal a little bit further with you, okay? If that event that is around your neck right now, that God in the flesh died to forgive sinners, and he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, nobody comes to the Father but through me. If that's true, that really would mean every other religion is false. Fair enough? Yes, fair. Yeah. So tell me, Caleb, as a professing Christian, what is the biggest difference based on what you know about other religions between Christianity and every other religious system? Um, that's a good question, you know, because some religions worship, I guess, someone called Muhammad. But he goes along the same lines as God, Jesus Christ. You know, he has a son, forget their, their version of um like for instance Christianity they have God and Jesus. Um the religion that worships Muhammad and whoever his son is. That's Islam. And Allah is the God and Muhammad is his chief prophet. Seventh century wrote a book called the Quran and its his adherents are called Muslims. Right. Now do you happen to know how Muslims get to paradise? What do they need to do? Inform me. We've got a pretty fascinating, thought-provoking chat unfolding here with Todd and Caleb. I hate to put a hold on it, but that's what we have to do because we have to take this break. So we'll just let the tension simmer. Actually, there's no tension, but fear not. We'll be back in just a few minutes, three to be exact, to continue this riveting conversation between Todd and Caleb. They're going to dive deeper into the realms of postmodernism and dissecting different religious beliefs. So we'll be back with more coming up. It's a conversation I know you're not going to want to miss here on Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. 
like the Pointer Sisters. I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know what they say, there's nothing like curling up with a good book. I would like to alter that to there's nothing quite like curling up with a good resource from Wretched.org. But have you ever thought about taking that a step further? Don't worry, we're not talking about anything crazy like selling your car to fund our ministry, unless you really want to. See, we've got this amazing group of people called Gospel Partners who help us to reach millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're not saying to you that you have to become a gospel partner, but it is certainly worth the prayerful consideration. Take our friend Mark, for example. He recently wrote in to say, quote, your willingness to address all topics regardless of popularity is what keeps me coming back to wretched. So are you ready to help us tackle even more possibly unpopular topics with grace and truth? Well, becoming a gospel partner is simple and easy. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1793, William Carey sails as a missionary to India. In the next 40 years, he would oversee more Bible translations than had previously been produced in all of Christian history. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, Todd, out on the campus of Kennesaw State University. He has been talking with Caleb, and they've been having a pretty deep conversation, talking about the path to heaven, the meaning of being a good person, the role of repentance. It's a pretty thought-provoking conversation, and we want to get back to it right now. Without further ado, jumping back into the action at Kennesaw State University, Todd and Caleb here on Wretched Radio. They need to do stuff. They need to be obedient. They need to be pleasing to Allah. But they never know for sure if they have done enough to satisfy 
the wrath of Allah. So they might go to paradise. They might be punished. But regardless, they have to get there by going to Mecca, by saying their prayers every day, uh, by giving of alms. So they need to do a bunch of stuff to get there. Right? What does Christianity teach about getting there? Uh, roughly, I would say the same exact thing. So that's, <laughs> but um, in a sense, you don't know if you're going to get to heaven. Don't know if you're going to hell. Well, you you know if you're a sinner, but um, I feel like you can't you can't be a robot in this world if that makes sense. So you can't just read by the book. You got to read the book to understand how to get to heaven. But you can't just say, okay, I'm going to do this thing every day and just expect to get to heaven. You just genuinely have to be a good person. Do you think you're a good person? I'm a good person. You're going to heaven because you're good. Not yet. See, I'm still, I'm still in the, I'm still like in a transitional period where I'm still sinning, but I'm still doing good in the world. Today, I wouldn't go to heaven. Really? I I truly believe that. If I was to die today, I wouldn't go to heaven. All right, let me, uh, let me press in on that. And this is going to get kind of personal. All right, so hang in there for a little bit of a bumpy ride. All right, you said you're a good person. I want to, I want to test that. I want to be a lawyer and examine that by opening up the laws. All right, now these are laws that I think we agree on in general because we all have a conscience. But these are going to sound like familiar laws. You know, have you ever stolen anything, Caleb? Yeah. Ever told a lie? Yeah. Ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes. Ever dishonored your parents? Yeah. Taken God's name in vain? Yeah. Desired things that didn't belong to you? Yes. Okay, so you said you're a good person, but with a really brief examination by opening up six commandments... You admitted you're a lawbreaker, a lawbreaker, a lawbreaker, a lawbreaker, a lawbreaker. So let's just say, heaven forbid, you did die today. Because it does happen, you're a young man, but it does happen. God whisks you into eternity. And you appear in his courtroom because he's a judge. And unlike our current justice system where sometimes criminals get away with really horrible acts, nobody's going to get away with it anything with God because he knows everything. He's everywhere and he's omniscient. So every deed done in darkness is going to be brought out into the light. So if you've looked at images on the computer screen, if you did things in private, doesn't make any difference. He's going to shine the light on them. And that's a problem because just like you, I'd be very guilty and God would say, you're not a good person at all. So let's just say, there you are, you're standing before God, Caleb's books are opened up, and he knows it all. What's God going to do with you, Caleb? Uh, where there comes a point in time where most people repent. So although I have done those things, I repented for them. It doesn't make me forget about my mistakes, but I have repented and asked for forgiveness for them. So I just don't think, like, you might find light to those situations on judgment day but after that i feel like he would also shine light on the good that i have done wanna let me let me let me test that i'm gonna make you the judge all right you got robes on you got a gavel you're sitting behind the bench and i'm standing in front of you 
and you got all the evidence, and you know I have broken a ton of laws. And I said to you, Judge Caleb, hold it. Before you slam that gavel, find me guilty and send me to jail. I've said I'm sorry for those things. I think you should let me go. You would say? Well, sorry is not enough. Sorry with no action towards being better. Ella, I've, I've been trying. I, I know that I hit a little old lady while driving drunk, but I did help a little old lady once with her groceries, so therefore you should let me go. Mm, rephrase it. Rephrase it. <laughs> Will my good deeds, if I bring out a laundry list of good things that I've done, when you're staring at my rap sheet, you know I'm guilty. But I say I, I I give some money sometimes to homeless people. I'm 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 nice to my wife, and I don't beat my children, and I mow my lawn. I do good things, Judge. I'm a good person. Let me go. Would you let me slide? Well, I guess it then depends on your state of mind before you died, before you passed away. Because if you hit a old lady in the head after you helped that old lady with the groceries. But even if I did learn or didn't learn, it has nothing to do with the issue of justice. If I'm guilty, it doesn't matter what the rest of my life look like. I am guilty because of that singular action. So crimes aren't just blotted away because I do something to make up for it. Crimes demand punishment. That is what justice is all about. So if you're a good judge, you're not going to let bad guys go. No matter how they can break down blubbering and crying and you'd say you should be sad because what you've done is horrible. But I'm just and I'm good. And because of my goodness, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm going to see justice is served, right? Uh, I can argue with that. Give it a go. Now it's like it depends on like the intensity of the punishment because they I'm a drunk driver. You know, I'm young, though. Although it doesn't make it right for me to hit someone when I'm drunk, I didn't have any, you know, my mind wasn't in the right place. So I didn't intend to hit that person. But, you know, being stupid, being cowardly, I hit the person. So I do deserve to be punished. But I don't deserve to be treated inhumane, if that makes sense. Well, I, I grant you, there can be some mitigating circumstances. We recognize that. But. When you were tossing them back, getting drunk, getting behind the car, you knew that was wrong. So right away, uh, your excuses are kind of falling flat because you were aware that you were doing something that would endanger people's lives. So it really was done with intent. But I will grant you, Caleb, there can be circumstances and there can be shades of degrees of crime. But the point is a judge doesn't let people go just because the criminal is sorry or feels bad, or has maybe even done some good and noble things, because justice demands a payment. The wages of sin is death, right? You know that verse, yeah. didn't you? All right. There you are. You've been whisked into God's courtroom, got a book with Caleb's name on it, and even though Caleb's a real pleasant guy, he's got your rap sheet. What's he going to do with you? We're still on the subject that <laughs> if I was to die today, okay, well, yeah, I'm I'm going in the lake of fire. <laughs> Ouch. All right. Dude, you're killing me. Tell me about 
what this has to do with your day in court with God, what this event that took place, put tie the two together for me. Well, he died for our sins, but also in the Bible, if you repent, then you should be fine. All right. Here's what this has to do with your day in court. Imagine. Yeah, you can. If you repent and you live by the Bible going forward, then you, you should be fine. Well, let me let me tweak that a bit, if you don't mind. Okay. We should live by what the Bible says. You're right. But that event was about something eternal. Jesus Christ is actually God in flesh. So God came down from heaven, and he didn't come to just check it out and wander around and have some nice teachings like love your neighbor as yourself. came on a mission to save sinners because we can't save ourselves because we do bad things, but he never did. He was always obedient to his parents, never looked with lust. He always honored and loved people, served people, did kind things for people, always, never lied, stole, never murdered in his heart by being unjustly angry. He was perfectly righteous. And then he marched to a cross where he let the people that he'd actually created beat him, punch him, slam a crown of thorns on his head, strip him naked, spit on him, and then drive nails through his wrists and through his feet to hang on a cross and die for sinners. He was doing that because God was pouring out his wrath on his beloved son on behalf of guilty criminals like you and me. Uh, yeah, I got to take a break. I hate to be the party pooper, I'm, but I'm the one that has to do it. I need to get one of those AI voices just for these breaks so I don't have to actually take the blame for this. But that's what we have to do is take a break and kind of put a hold on this conversation between Todd and Caleb. But we're going to keep the momentum going. We'll be back with more of their chat as they dive deeper, talking about Jesus and the significance of his sacrifice and the eternal implications of it. So we'll be back. You don't want to miss the ending of this chat. Sit tight, grab a snack, whatever you want to do. Hold on. We'll be right back to more Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and we start today with a hopeful note in the state of Oklahoma, which has paved the way in education by approving the first religious charter school in the country. It's called the Covenant Community School, and it's in Edmond, Oklahoma, and it has promised a curriculum that is unapologetically grounded Christian values. And that's good news, especially in a culture which typically ridicules faith-based education and puts it in the back seat. Hopefully, we'll see this as a launching point for Christian values and Christian education. Now let's turn to the world of beer, where Modelo finds itself as America's top-selling beer. Why is that news? Well, it's because Bud Light continuously falls and falls and falls following a boycott that continues to go on after their marketing campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. It's a pretty big reminder, not just for Bud Light, but for other corporations around the country that we can choose where we spend our money and that sends a powerful message. Now, in a move that underscores the struggles within modern Christianity, the United Church of Christ recently found itself apologizing for an image on a calendar they produced. What was their apology? Well, one of the images on the calendar was not anti-racist enough. 
Yeah, it's a sign of the times, just like this is a sign of the times. The Girl Scouts have introduced, just in time for the month formerly known as June, the Pride Patch. That's right, the Pride Patch, which girls can earn by learning about the LGBT community and attending Pride Parades. You know, our young people today are facing way more pressure from the culture than we did when we were children. We faced pressure, but it was nothing compared to the stuff they're facing today. Just like this cultural shift that is taking place in California, the Miss California pageant has allowed a trans-identifying man to enter the contest. Hello, we're at Target. The decision to support LGBT Pride Month with rainbow-themed merchandise has cost the company nearly 15 billion. That's with the B, 15 billion dollars. Another lesson for another corporation. There's always a cost that comes with disregarding a significant, if not the largest, segment of your customer base. And finally, significant news out of the state of Indiana. Anticipating a proposed abortion ban, the Women's Pavilion, which was a prominent baby murder farm facility in South Bend, they're closing their doors. That's always good news to end the day on. And that's been your Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians to further encourage and instruct them in the face of persecution. Some Thessalonians feared that they had missed the Lord's return. Paul reminds them that God will punish those who persecute the church, and he will be faithful to return for his people. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Back for the break and diving right back into the conversation between Todd and Caleb. Before the break, just as a reminder, catching you up, they were discussing the importance of repentance and being born again. So let's rejoin them on the campus now as they wrap up their conversation. If we'll give Jesus a rap sheet by admitting, I'm a guilty criminal, I am not good, I am throwing myself at the mercy of a God who sent his son to pay the penalty for my sin, he'll give you his robe of righteousness. And now God can see you as being righteous, even though you still stumble and fall, he sees you as righteous because your debt's been paid. Your crimes have been atoned for because of the work of another. So you're in the courtroom. God's going to slam the gavel. You have no excuse. You have nothing to commend yourself to God. But Jesus steps in and says, Judge, I love that man. And I want to give him my righteousness. I paid for his crimes. That's what happened on Easter. And that's why we celebrate that. So here's the good news, and this might change your life. Honestly, Caleb, it could change your life. Use the word repent. You repent. You admit, I'm not a good guy. I'm a bad guy. I need God's mercy. I'm sorry for my sins. And you put your faith in him and him alone, which means you reject all of the other religious systems. You put your faith in him alone. He says, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will adopt you, and I will bring you to heaven, not based on your merits, but based on mine, because I'm that good of a God. That's called the gospel, the good news, that sinners can be totally forgiven. So you can slide. You can be let go. So you give Jesus your rap sheet. He gives you his righteousness. But here's the key. A man must 
humble himself before God and say, I've been wrong. I've done all of these things. Have mercy on me. I trust in your son. God says that's what it means to be born again. You die to self, and he'll make you born again. All right? Because Jesus said that unless a man is born again, he will not inherit eternal life. So here's the, the million-dollar question, Caleb. Have you been born again? I'll also stumble again. <laughs> well, that can happen. Stumbling happens. I need to be reborn again. Yes. All right. So here's something for you to ponder a lot today. You're a sharp guy. You're a pleasant fellow. You're a likable guy, and you're going to do well in your field that you're studying here at the university. But Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? So it's so smart to examine yourself and ask, am I in right standing with God? Now note this. When somebody repents and puts their trust in Jesus, it doesn't mean we become perfect. It means that God sees us as perfect because he sees us through the lens of his son. So Christians still sin. We fall into sin, but we don't dive anymore. We don't love it. We hate it. We, we wish we didn't do it, but it still happens. But we're still covered with the robe of righteousness that Jesus has given to us. So coming to that point of realizing I'm a dead man walking, I need God that desperately. Would you say that you have gone through that experience? You got to be more specific when you say that. That you've come to the place where you realize, man, if God judges me, I am I am in serious trouble. Yes. Then here's what I want to leave you with, Caleb. You said before I put you on trial, you said if you died, you're not sure you could be going to hell. I'm telling you, based on God's word, if you have indeed repented and put your trust in Jesus, you're not going to hell. Guaranteed. Because Jesus said, anybody who comes unto me, I will not cast out. God is rich in mercy. And when he saves a sinner like you and like me, he doesn't unsave them. He doesn't grant forgiveness and then take it back because he's capricious or he's whimsical and he changes his mind. No, if you've repented and put your trust in Jesus, you're going to heaven based on the merits of another. That's good news for you, Caleb. And that then should change your life. So with all of that laid before you, before we part company here, are you born again? Have you repented and put your trust in Jesus? Are you going to heaven? Yes. Then I'm a happy man. I am too. Yeah, it's great news. I mean, it's like, hey, wait a second. I don't have to worry about dying and going to hell because somebody saved me and rescued me. That's just staggering good news. And based on that, then, you try not to lie. You try not to steal. You try not to lust. You try not to do anything that would dishonor the one who loved you so much he died to save you. That's the Christian life. Well... I still feel like the thought of worrying is still beneficial to worrying about what? Worry about getting into heaven. If you don't, you kind of just carefree. Um, you know what? Let me let me just let me just work with that because this is something that a lot of Christians miss. <laughs> because you hear that and you go, "Well, wait a second. I'm going to heaven. Right. Away I go. Right. I'm going to go look at my porn. I'm going to go sleep right. around. I'm going." That means an individual doesn't understand what Jesus did for him. Think of it like this. A father and son, 
they go camping. They set up a tent on a lake, and there's a canoe, and Dad says, hey, son, I'm going to take a nap, and I don't want you to go out in that canoe by yourself because there's alligators in that lake, and you are not equipped to handle what might happen to you if you get caught in a swirl of alligators. Don't go into that boat. Dad falls asleep. Son looks at that, that little canoe and goes, I think it would be kind of fun. So he goes out into the canoe. He's paddling away, and all of a sudden, what do you know? The alligators surround him. They start wagging their tails. They're chomping at him. He freaks out, spins over, and he's in alligator-infested waters. The next thing he knows, he wakes up, and he's on the shore looking up at the sky, and he realizes the alligators didn't get him. What happened? And he looks over, and he sees his dad laying on the beach, too, but he is bloody and shredded, and he has been chewn up. And the son realizes, my dad rescued me. Now imagine if that kid said, I think I'm going back in the canoe. You'd go, kid, you don't get it. You do not esteem the sacrifice of the father. And the same thing is true with Christianity. If you use grace to go out and sin after you know what Jesus did to save you, well, you just don't get it. But because you know what he went through by dying on a cross on your behalf, that's the very thing that puts bumpers on your life, that keeps you from wanting to do those things. Why would I do that? I'm not appreciating what he did for me. So it is good to be aware of sin. It is good to battle sin. But what should motivate you to do that is the recognition, you know what? I actually could commit that sin, and I'd be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to commit that sin. Right. Paul actually anticipated your question. He wrote the book of Romans. Can we go on sinning so that grace can abound even more? In other words, why not just go sinning because we're forgiven? And he said, heaven forbid. That's foolishness that you would do something like that. So what I'd like to leave you with, Caleb, is, again, if you've been born again, you've really repented and trusted in Christ Dude, there's nothing you can do to get out of it. You're adopted into God's family. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are actually seen as righteous. You're not just seen as forgiven. You're seen as righteous. And in light of that, now you go live the rest of your life joyfully, desiring not to sin, not because it's going to damn you, but because Jesus died to forgive you of your sins so you wouldn't be damned. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. So now your life can be joyful, and now your life can be set on sanctification because you're motivated rightly, not out of fear of going to hell because that's been taken care of for you. And based on that, now you go about the business of giving up whatever your pet sins are. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Why the gospel is called good news. It's really good news. So you should live in light of that for the rest of your life, and that should be a reminder for you. But keep in mind, you got a cross with Jesus on it. Okay. He rose from the dead. That's what Easter Sunday is about. You got a living Savior. He's alive. Okay. Not dead. He's alive. You live in light of that because now you're in a relationship with the God who so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in them would not perish but have everlasting life. Good news? Good news. Great news. Yeah. I'm glad you reminded me, though. <laughs> I'm glad, too. That's what uh, my parents would say. 
<laughs> uh, he rose from the dead. That's the proper answer that they would have wanted me to give. But yeah. I needed a reminder. And I appreciate it. Then you got good parents. Well done. Yeah. Tell them good job, mom and dad. I will. What? A conversation that really was. It was a really, really good chat and conversation between Todd and Caleb. They really dug into the meaning of being born again and how it impacts a person's life. They discussed understanding and appreciating Jesus' sacrifice and how that should serve as motivation for us to resist sin. So what it looks like in the life of a truly converted believer And don't tell him this, but the illustration Todd used about the camping trip and the alligators and the canoe, I'm probably going to steal that and use that somewhere and not give him credit because you can do that these days. Anyway, let's all commit to praying for Caleb as he obviously continues growing in his walk with Christ. All right. So it's time for another break. But fear not, we have more Witness Wednesday coming up next. We're not done yet on Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home Bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage audio series, the Drive-By Marriage study guide, the Drive-By Parenting audio series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please. 
do your research. Visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Physician. Jesus healed many physical ailments during His ministry on earth. When He comes again, He will put an end to death and disease and give us spiritual bodies to last for eternity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back. It is a Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. We are not finished yet, not by a long shot. Still have more time for Todd to talk to another student. So who is it going to be? Let's get out to the campus because that's really the only way we can find out. Go ahead and guess which one of us is older than the other. I'll leave that up to you. But one thing that the surveys tell us there's a difference in generations. Trey, what generation are you? Um, I believe it is oh, Gen Z. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Gen Z. And I'm not Gen Z. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. There's a difference in our generations. Would you agree with that? I would agree. There was a recent poll that was done by the Wall Street Journal, University of Chicago, identifying those differences in six categories. And I want to share each of those categories, and you tell me if you esteem these categories as being very significant, sort of significant, not significant, because what they've identified is that the stuff my generation used to think was very significant, it ain't so significant to your generation. So you ready to take the poll? I am. Number one, patriotism, very significant, sort of significant, not at all significant. Mm. I would say sort of sort of significant. Um, I mean, I think it's still important to have some kind of like respect for your country, but I don't think it's like like the most outstanding um, factor of like our culture. Next would be marriage. Very sort of. Eh. Um, I think marriage is very important. Um, it's like your whole life. I think it sets a good foundation for a lot of things. So then the third one would be kids. I assume you'd think that's a big. Yeah, I do think it's a big deal. I think it's a part of what drives you and gives you purpose for life and just a lot of joyous moments. Hard work was one of the categories. My generation says that's super important. Your generation, not so much. Where are you at? Um, I mean, I could see the case for like not as, but I think hard work goes a long way. Um, I've had a lot of talks with um, like friends and their parents and all that kind of stuff about like how they got where they were. And a lot of it came from hard work. I think our culture has found ways to like shortcut it, whether it's like, oh, all of the answers are on Quizlet. Like you don't have to try or like, like there's so many easier ways to just like copy and paste it. But I think like you can't really beat traditional hard work when it comes down to like what you really want. What kind of Gen Z are you? You are not doing this right. You're supposed to be saying the opposite. All right, here's the next category. Money, very sort of not so much. Obviously, it plays its part, but I'm also broke, so I found ways to get around that. So You're a student that goes with the package. Exactly. This is the last category, religion. Um, well, I'm a Christian, so obviously I think it has played a major part in my life and has been like, very, very important. Why is religion significant for you? I mean, I've just seen 
my life been like transformed and it makes a lot of sense to me. So let's just say I approached you and I said, Trey, I understand you're a Christian and I'm not. I'm giving you full permission to say anything you want to me to persuade me to consider the claims of Christianity. I believe in a good God. I believe that um, he works all things out for our benefit and that he created us to have a relationship with us and to to love us. And so like, I, I just recommend giving it a shot, like going, finding a friend who is Christian, going to church, just seeing what it's about. Because I think there's a lot of misrepresentation. Like yesterday, there were the guys with the picket fence condemning everyone to hell. And I think that a lot of Christians have lost sight of like the relational aspect of it. And it's more about, you know, I want to get to know you. I want to be your friend. I want to show you what like true biblical love is. And I don't want to cast that stone. Like that's not my place at all. Like I have no business casting that stone. But I'm listening really intently. Give me the top three reasons you would say I should become a Christian. I mean, number one, it's to your benefit. Like, I don't think there's any aspect of Christianity that is meant to hurt you, whether you think so or not. Number two, I've found that there's really good community through Christianity. And I mean, three, like, why not? What do you have to lose from at least like trying it and seeing everything that it has to offer? All right. So here, here's my response. We'll kind of role play this out. You said protection. Made it this far. I think I'm, I'm pretty safe. You said community. I belong to the VFW. I'm making this up, but work with me. I will go to the VFW and I'm a part of my neighborhood association. I'm on the tennis team. I've already got that box checked. And then why not give it a go? Well, why shouldn't I give Buddhism a go or Islam a go? So do you got anything else that you would say to me as an unbeliever in your faith, why I should become a Christian? Um, I think historically and factually, uh, if you look at it, there's a lot that we're discovering today that lines up perfectly with uh, what the Bible tells. So if you look, um, the ark was just discovered um, and it's in the place that it was said it's on top of a mountain. Like you don't get boats on top of mountains. I thought it was in Kentucky. That would be a replica. Ah, It's a really good replica. It is a good replica. Um, And there's also a fountain just discovered. I forget what it's called, but like they thought it was lost for years no one could find it and they were like well I guess that's not accurate but we actually just did find it and it's to every detail that the Bible tells like even historians today like they cannot dispute like Jesus Christ was a real person and walked the earth and so let's turn the tables I'm a Christian so I'm just tip my hand to you but you're going to come up to me and say hey I hear you're a Christian tell me why I should become a Christian go why should I become a Christian Why should you become a Christian? Well, Trey, let me ask you a question about yourself. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Um, occasionally. Have you ever told a lie? Um, I have. How many? Um, I could not give you a number. It's up there. It's up there. Ever stolen anything? Uh, yes, I have. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Plenty of times. Righty. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Uh, unfortunately, I have. Ever taken God's name in vain? Uh, unfortunately, I have. All right. Now, you just admitted to breaking five of God's laws. In his eyes, would he see you as a good person? Um, no, he would not. So if you died, this bench falls somehow, we go down, 
the tree falls on your head, you die, you stand before God. Would God see you as an innocent or a guilty man? In this situation, he would see me as guilty. See you as guilty. So should God reward you or punish you for being a guilty criminal? Um, well, naturally punish. So where would you go, heaven or hell? Seemingly hell. Huh. That doesn't sound great to me. In fact, it's a thought that really terrifies me because I think we all have a sense that beyond the door, there is something waiting for us. And it looks like judgment because we see judgment and justice failing and people getting away with crimes. And there's something inside of us that says that demands punishment. And I think that sense inside of us comes from our maker, who is a just judge, who is going to open up the books and he's going to make sure that justice is satisfied. So every deed done in darkness will be brought into the light Every wicked deed, every hateful thought, every racist, sexist attitude, it's going to be brought into the light, and he is going to deal with it as a just judge. Trey, does it concern you that you would be going to hell? Um, well, I am not concerned about that. How come, Trey? Because uh, I was baptized, and I have been a believer for about two years now. Cool. So what does that have to do with being found not guilty? Explain it to me. Um, so Jesus says um, that like when we put our trust in him and our faith in him, like we are blameless before the Father. Um, and so for all of the sins that I've committed and like all the wrongs that I've done directly against God, like I'm not faulted for those. And he actually like doesn't see any of my sins, like not one of them. How come? Because of the resurrection of Christ when he was... Raised from the dead, he defeated sin and death, and uh, therefore, that is not a problem for believers anymore. Yeah, so that's how I would probably approach it if a stranger said it to me, because you talked about some of the benefits. I agree with you. There is safety in Christianity. There is amazing community in Christianity, but people can get those things elsewhere to a degree. But the key issue is forgiveness of sins, everlasting life. So what I did, Trey, is I used the law. I asked you about the Ten Commandments. You probably picked up on that because it's like a mirror. You can hold it up to somebody's face without accusing them, and they can see themselves in truth. Because if you noticed, I didn't go, you're lying, whatever those people might have been doing here the other day, and just accusing people by asking questions the way that Jesus did with the rich young ruler. It reveals that our hearts are in desperate need of a heart transplant. So the law brings about the knowledge of sin, and then you can share the good news that Christianity is the only religion that offers forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. So that's how I might do it. Okay. Very interesting chatting with you. And that's it. That's going to do it. Another fascinating chat. Another fascinating witness Wednesday, Todd. Speaking with Dre there. And uh, that was a really good talk. Really good conversation, Jay. We talked about the generational differences. And uh, really great dialogue. I hope you grew from it because I know I did. And really, we hope Dre grew from it. And, And let's really be praying for that. That is another Witness Wednesday for the books. We will be back next Wednesday for another Witness Wednesday out on the campus and we'll be back tomorrow for more wretched radio same time same place until then tomorrow that is go serve your king